Well, good morning. Good morning. How we doing? All right. All right. Oh. You sound good. If you have your Bible, <laughs> turn to James chapter 3. The band getting in on the <laughs> back there. We hear you. Thanks, guys, for leading us this morning. Yes. James chapter 3, we're in our series, How Life Works, and uh, we're in James chapter 3 today, and um, it's, uh, the topic is, um, it's an important one, but yeah. also, uh, it's, uh, it's just not good news. Really, not one we'd like to. Not one we'd talk like to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about our talking. That's what we're doing today in <laughs> the James chapter words. three. Words, words. So this week uh, there was a tweet that went out from the Houston Rockets GM. Did you guys see this? Tweeted out his support for Hong Kong, and in doing so, it started this uh, pretty massive backlash. Um, from that point forward, there's this back and forth with China because can, China... Can I read the tweet? Yes. This was the tweet. Seven words. Seven words. Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. So he tweets that out, probably in his mind, like, hey, I'm going to you know, say something to this very important world situation and push those words down. Because remember, our words are not just us speaking like to each other, that they're... Our words go out on social media and written platforms all over the place. And I can't imagine that when he typed those words that he could have seen anywhere near what was going to happen next. Because at that point forward, China uh, enters the picture, speaks out against it. Um, NBA commissioner starts, you know, speaking to the situation back and forth to the point in which there was a preseason game that was going to be played in China. They threatened to take that down. They threatened to cancel the entire partnership with the NBA. Which cost? Yeah, that's a billion dollar partnership or more. One billion dollars. So we're talking about one tweet and it possibly costing a billion dollars. I don't know about you, but you know, I, I think that my words aren't that powerful uh, to cause a billion dollar damage, but it's... Well, actually, James tells us... Quite possible. Uh, it, it actually may cause more According than to James, that, that yeah. you can do worse damage, really. So we're going to read chapter three. Maybe you've had time to find it in your Bible or look it up online. Uh, but James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large... And are driven by strong winds. They are guided by, by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. 
With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So if you look at the entire scripture, you'll see that there's a theology really for words, and it begins in Genesis chapter one. Do a whole talk on this, several talks on this. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, how did he speak the heavens and the earth into existence? And God said, let there be light. He said it, and there was. God spoke the world into existence. Uh, His words created our world. In Genesis chapter 3, the fall of mankind, you have the serpent coming to Eve and saying to her, did God really say? And he's twisting God's words. Words are so powerful. In fact, when we look at chapter 3, we're going to break it into two parts. We're going to talk about the problem of the tongue, and that really, we were just talking about, it extends for the first 16 verses of chapter 3. James is going to hit us hard with this issue and this, this like, how, how difficult uh, it is to bridle the tongue. We're going to get into that. Um, and you have Jesus. He shows up on the scene. He's the Word made flesh. Uh, we have Jesus speak often about our words and, and what those should look like. And here's James who's reflecting a lot of what Jesus has said in his ministry addressing the idea of the tongue. It goes back to chapter 2. If you were with us last week, we talked about faith and works. There's some people who have this idea that if, as long as I have faith, as long as I believe in Jesus and, and uh, like, you know, I have that taken care of, then it doesn't really matter how I live. And James says, no, 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 that's, that's impossible. If you have true faith in Jesus, saving faith, true, and you've truly been justified by him, then your works will prove that out. And then he turns to our words, because what's one way in which our works and our doings and our life play out, and that is in our words. Not many of you, and he starts with this idea of not many of you should become teachers. Right. So why, why is that? Why, why start there? Uh, well, first of all, just be- if you're not a teacher, you're not off the hook. Okay, so you may be thinking, well, I'm, I'm not sitting up there where they are, or yeah. I don't teach a Sunday school class, so this clearly doesn't apply to me. Wrong. Um, we're all accountable for our words. But what, he, what he's saying is specifically to teachers is this, is that... Um, you use a lot of words. So Joel and I sit up here most every week, and they're just words flying everywhere. 
and uh, and there's like in the, the first service when you told people about a bumper sticker. I, I, yeah, <laughs> but I'm I'm not sure that was. Anyways, yeah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> there's a lot of influence yeah. as a teacher, and and what James is saying is you're going to give account for that for the influence of your words, for the power of your words. And so we feel the weight of it Mm -hmm. every week. And for that reason, he says, not many of you should want to do this because you're going to be held to a higher standard because your words are powerful. Uh, And Calvin even takes it, right? It was Calvin that you were talking about this week who takes it and brings it to another level of (laughs) being a teacher is just like a moral authority. When you place yourself into a position of moral authority over someone, you've placed yourself as their teacher, and you're going to be judged with greater strictness because you are leading them with your words. And Jesus says the same, you know, people love to quote the judge not lest you be judged, and they stop right there. Jesus says, because the same measure you use to judge other people, that's what you're going to be judged with. And so James is is getting at that by saying, look, don't, don't put yourself in the position of being the moral police for everyone. Um, because we all stumble in a lot of ways. And, and he says, uh, if you don't stumble in what you say, you're a perfect man able to bridle your whole body. There's this correlation between spiritual maturity and your speech. Yeah. Like, you think of the people you know that you would say, are they're just really spiritually mature. They, they probably... They handled their speech pretty well, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, you'll you'll see that you'll see those spiritually mature people. There's just a way in which they approach things where they don't say something in a situation. You think, why aren't they saying anything? You realize later that was very wise, or they do say that, and they're you know it's people who are led by the Spirit who've been shaped uh, by wisdom, uh, and so. If you can bridle your tongue, he's saying here, then that's the key for everything. That it's, you can also bridle your whole body. But the problem is, it's not so easy. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. It's this small little bit that guides a horse. Look at ships also. They're huge. Right? You've, seen, you've been on a cruise ship. Those things are massive. There's a whole city of people, like everything happening there on the ship. And there's, you go down to the bottom of the boat, and here's this small rudder that's guiding it along. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So this small little thing, and this is what we're tempted to think. We're tempted to think, as, as he addresses at several points in chapter 2, we often think this is such a small thing. How, you know, it's like just a small passing word I said to them. How many of you guys could probably look at your lives, this is rhetorical, because I know everybody in here could answer yes. How many could look at your lives and say, there's that one little sentence someone spoke to me at this very small moment, or at least to them it felt like it probably, that has literally shaped me mm-hmm. as a person. Yeah. We could all go back to these moments where it's like, I remember reading in a book and it was about uh, dads raising daughters. I'm just bringing this up randomly in case you're wondering. But it, like, it still hits me all the time because I'm a dad of four girls. And, and she was speaking about how one time she's just, the dad was with his daughter. And like 30 years later, the daughter told her dad that one thing that he said to her while they were riding in the car in this very random moment about uh, the way her feet looked stuck with her for that whole time. And I was like, man. 
That's what words do. Words can shape us, and it was in a positive way that time. Um, I don't think the dad was dissing her daughter's feet or anything like that, but... You had us worried. (laughs) It's, you know, that's how powerful words... That's how powerful words are. So, so you look at the problem of the tongue. It's, it's first we start with this idea that it's extremely powerful. It's it's what pushes and guides and directs our lives. James says with these examples. And just just pause right there for a second. Our, our phone numbers are up there as we're talking. We do this every week. If you have a question, uh, if something pops in your mind that you're like, hey can you address this? We will if we can, and you can text us if you want. So words are powerful. They, a lot of power. And um, he says, um, the, the whole fire thing, the little spark yeah. starts a big fire. If you think back to the, se- I can't get my head wrapped around seven words costing a billion dollars. That's, uh, that's just a little picture of what kind of firestorm. I set a, a pizza box on fire this weekend. Yeah? And it was amazing how fast everything else started burning. Around the like, pizza box. This was inside the house, too, so it was not good. <laughs> um, I couldn't believe how quick. It, so that's, gonna... I mean, the, this, turn that off. <laughs> um, <laughs> the randomness of, I set a pizza box on fire. On accident. We... I put it in the oven to warm it up and. Wait, in the box? Yeah, that would be fine. Wow. Let that be a lesson to you. If you think, I'm just going to stick the entire box in the oven. It's worked before. Learn from Joel. Learn from his mistakes. He's, all but right. If I hadn't been handy with, that, with the water cannon from my sink, it would have been bad. Yes, yes, it, it could bad. have. It was, um, it was moving quick, man. So, so it has a lot of power. Verse 7. Every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Think about the, the number of things we've tamed mm-hmm. as human beings. In fact, check this out. Hi. Hi, it's just so nerve-wracking. Oh, my God. I, Okay, all right, that's good, that's good. I can only watch a little bit of that because here's why. I'm not a cat guy, all right? Imagine if your cat weighed 300 pounds. Like, I'm convinced sooner or later we're going to watch that video and one of the cats is going to go, oh, lunch. Um, It could happen, right? We tamed a lion or this woman. They're wild, James said, we've tamed all kinds of things. Look at verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. Uh-oh. Like, we, we, we've done some amazing things yeah, as humans. It, like, left and right, you see us accomplishing things that, like, people thought would be impossible. And one of those just happened with the marathon. Did you guys see that, where the guy broke the two-hour marathon mark? I mean, incredible. That's this, like, four, somebody said this morning, four minutes, 25 seconds, a mile, for 26 miles. 26 miles. Like I can't, two dri- hours, I can't uh, drive that yeah, far. Two hours, two I can hours. run like three miles. I mean, this. <laughs> so this guy breaks that barrier. You're like, what? You know, look, and that's what I saw. The the commentary around that was like, look at what we've done. Look at what we've accomplished. Look at 
like what else can we, you know, conquer, if you will? One thing we can't conquer, James tells what James us. Says. No human being can tame the tongue. So we can't tame it. So it's very powerful. We can't tame it. And the, and the third problem with the tongue is this, is that it reveals our heart. Mm-hmm. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, salt, you know, he, then he gives the illustration of uh, can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? The, the, the question is rhetorical. No, they can't. Mm-hmm. But it reveals what's in your heart. Jesus says in Matthew 15, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. That's Matthew 15, 18. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, these are what defile a person. So what's um, a, a, a former pastor of mine when I was in college used to say, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket, <laughs> right? So what's, it's what's in your heart that yeah. is exposed with your words. And, and so our, it, it reveals our heart, really. Yeah, yeah if you, um, it's a great measure yeah. for us. This, if you look at what people talk about the most, right? If you're around each other with your friends and, and you think about where the conversation often goes, it's, it's our words tell us what we love. Mm. Is it? Our words tell us what we love. It's an indicator of what we care about. They're an indicator of what we're concerned about uh, at, that, at that moment. Um, and so it's a revealer of the heart. So we can evaluate, literally, this this principle shows us that we can go back and think through the way we've spoken to people, uh, the things that we've talked about, the things that, have, um, that we've tweeted about and posted about. Those things are evaluation tool for us to say, where is our heart at? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if there's an overflow of jealousy, then you're going to hear that your conversation tinged with jealousy and jealous remarks. And if your heart is full of love, then you're going to see that come out in your speech as well. Yeah, we, we're in trouble so yeah. far, right? James is not giving us really good news. This small thing has a lot of power. We can't tame it. Um, it reveals really what's in our heart, what we love. There, we need help, right? We, so we've got a problem. What's the solution? Yeah. What is the solution? We're glad you asked because James does not leave us hanging. Uh, he, he begins to offer the solution in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Well, apparently no one. <laughs> we want it to be us. Yeah, we want it to be us. But he, he says, by your good conduct, let him show it by his words. In the meekness of wisdom. Wisdom's the answer. Right? Meekness. There's a, if you remember, if you flip back yeah. uh, to chapter one, uh, put away, he talks about putting away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. So there's a humility that, that needs to come. Mm-hmm. And ask for wisdom. He tells us early on, verse 5 of chapter 1, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. Wisdom is the key, but it's not the kind of wisdom the world typically thinks of. If you remember the first 
week, we talked about this idea of we get wisdom really three ways through uh, knowledge, perspective, and experience. And because we're finite, we lack all the information. We don't have knowledge. We don't have all the perspective. We can't see the whole picture. And our experience is very limited. And so our wisdom, our earthly wisdom, James goes so far as to say it's demonic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, if, if we turn to human wisdom, here's what, where it's going to lead us. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. If we think that we can just tame our tongue by you know, trying to remain silent, or we think we can tame our tongue by, you know, let's just speak positive words all the time. As long as I speak positive words, like uh, uh, that, will, that will save me and keep, keep me from saying bad things. But no, it doesn't work that way. All, if, if you want to get self-help here, it's going to take you in the opposite direction. Yeah. It, it's it's going to move towards these things because that's where our heart is, right? We, we, can't, we can only do things externally to an extent. It can only get us so far when we try to, like, just let's turn the dials on the externals a little bit here to adjust to, to get this right. And, and James is saying, no, it does not work like that. This has everything to do with where your heart is, okay? So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, because let's talk about wisdom for a minute. And the way that Paul talks about it here helps us see what he's saying, what James is saying about Wisdom. These are very connected ideas. Because the way that the world looks at wisdom, oftentimes true wisdom is to laugh at it. Because the wisdom of God looks like foolishness to the world. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul's asking these rhetorical questions. Who is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the the debater of this age, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. If we try to use our own expertise to know God, you could see where that leads us, where science says, like, no, like, you know, we can explain it, uh, but we can't explain God. And God says, you missed it there. It, 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 so, For since the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So take the message of the cross, and we look at the message of the cross, and we say, this, for some people, is complete foolishness. You're telling me that the God who created everything, think about this story, the God who created everything, you're telling me that, that um, when it went wrong, that he put a plan in place to, actually that plan existed even before that, that, that he had this plan in place for him to come as a man, and die on a cross. That's, that's, that's it? That's what God's going to do? Yes, that's the message. It's foolishness to those who, who cannot understand the wisdom of God, that the, the ways of God are greater than man. And here's what he says about Christ. 
that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, wisdom is not just an ideal or a way of thinking. Wisdom is a person. And that's Jesus, the wisdom of God. So when we're in the middle of trying to tame our tongues, we don't just ascribe to an ideal, we ascribe to a person. Hmm. We need a person who will come and clear out our hearts and make us new. And when he makes us new, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth will speak. And it will be different than how we were before. Right. So we need, it's obvious we need help, right? Because um, we have have a heart problem, right? It's not really a tongue problem. It's a heart problem. In fact, if if you will jump back up to verse 4, where he's talking about the ship. They're so large. They're driven by strong wind. They're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the what? This is audience participation moment, right? Wherever the will of the pilot directs. So what, whoever the pilot is, mm-hmm. is controlling the rudder or the tongue, if you will, right? So here's what happened. Here's the problem. James says, you're trying to be your own pilot. Here's what happens when you're the pilot. Joel was in St. Simon's yeah. this week. And it's a good picture. Have you guys seen this? I was in St. Simon's on Friday and Saturday, and I could not believe. I looked out there, and there's this huge ship just overturned out there. And it's a, I was thought, what a great picture, because you know, he uses this very picture in the text of, like, this is, this is the time where I sent this email that I wish I had never sent. I sent it, and I was like, isn't there a thing with email where you can just like pull it back somehow? I feel like they're making that now, where you can like retrieve an email that was sent out there. But that's, how, that's, that's our words. It's like uh, irretrievable. Yeah. That's what they are. They're out there. And, and oftentimes we end up like that. So we need, we need a new pilot. And in fact, there's a thing called a harbor pilot uh, where they will, uh, back in the day, it was called a maritime pilot. Mm-hmm. And what would happen, you would have these ships that would be sailing into harbor, and the harbor's the trickiest part. It's uh, hard to navigate a lot of times, and so they would run up a flag that would signal the shore that, hey, we need a pilot. And what would happen is uh, a, a seasoned pilot on the shore would see that flag, they would row out, they would get on the vessel and commandeer and become the commander of that ship until it was safe in the harbor. But this, this pilot had all the knowledge, all the experience, all the information to get the ship safely in the harbor. And then when he got on the ship, they would run another flag up that said, we have a pilot, we have no need for one now. And so you, you have this idea, James is saying, wherever the pilot takes the ship, that's where the ship is going. Wherever the pilot takes your tongue, that's, that's going to reveal things. We, we need a better pilot. Jesus is the pilot. We're in treacherous water, James says, mm-hmm. when it comes to our tongue. Yeah. We need somebody that's got more wisdom than us. Jesus needs to be the pilot. Let me, let me show you something. In fact, I, I, I want to do something different. Let's, let's go to Exodus 15. Because we got a, we had a, I had a question about salt water. I'm going to read this. Um, 
Let me read the question. If all of us produce salt water from our mouths and the passage says we can't produce salt water and fresh water, then do you believe it's saying we cannot control our tongues without God? Well, Exodus 15. It's the end of Exodus 15. They've crossed uh, the Red Sea and um, you've got this great song of Moses and then at the end of Exodus 15, Verse 22, Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. They went into the wilderness of Shur. They went in three days, found no water. So they can't find any water. Look what happens in verse 24. The people grumbled. Their words, right? They grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? He cried to the Lord. The Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you I put on the Egyptians for I am the Lord your healer. Does that sound like James when he says we need to obey? God says, listen, if you'll do what I tell you, it's going to work out for you. Here's what happens. There's nothing but bitter water in this pond. God has Moses pick up a log and throw it in the water, and bitter water becomes sweet. Listen, God can do that. He can, you, you may be thinking, I got nothing but salt water coming out of me. Here's the great news. Just like God took that log and turned bitter water sweet, there was another log, if you will, a tree that Jesus was nailed to so that the salt water of your heart could be turned sweet. And Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 53 that like a lamb before it shears, he did not open his mouth. Wisdom himself became silent to pay the penalty for every careless word you and I would speak. That's the pilot we need. He can turn salt water into sweet water. And that's the only way we can control it because he tells us no man can control this. You need to be controlled by Jesus in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what James is telling us. It's an impossible task. So this is it. This is a great question. Um, so what does it look like daily to actually have a change from the inside out like this? Great question. And this, this is our call right now. We're going to do it together right now. We're going to um, just reflect before the Lord. We're going to say, Jesus, where in my heart have I allowed other things to overtake you? I need you to be sitting as the king of my life. And if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, you've never um, had him come and give you a heart transplant to begin with, because that's what happens. That's how you become a Christian. Jesus comes in and gives you a new heart. And he turns your heart of stone into a heart of flesh, as one of the prophets says. And that that heart of flesh, if it's filled with his goodness, 
if it's reflecting on who he is, if you go back to him day in and day out, if you open up his word and you um, rejoice in him, you love him just like you would in any other relationship, you'll see how that starts to fill your life and your heart and change the way that you act and the way you talk. Yeah, and, and it may be today, you just need to run up the flag and say, I need a pilot. And so we're gonna, we're gonna sing. Yeah. And uh, just obey what God is telling you to do. Yeah. Father, thank you for your word. I pray today that as we sing, we sing this as a prayer, that God, we, we are in desperate, desperate need. If we lean on our own wisdom, we end up capsized. We, we can't navigate these waters. Uh, we are so prone, particularly in our culture, to let words just be loose and careless, and they bring a lot of destruction with them. But Jesus, you, you never spoke words like that. You spoke life. You still speak life. And so I pray today that we would examine our hearts and that if we need to run up the flag that says, hey, I need a pilot, that we would do that today. That in meekness and humility, we would acknowledge we can't do this. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.